Wow, that's kind of sensitive. Listen, Phil, as a psychiatrist, anything you tell me will be kept in the strictest confidence. You know, it's funny how the more you bottle things up inside, the bigger they seem to be. Well, I've never told anybody this before, but okay, here goes. One of the hardest things for couples to talk about is their sexual life. They can joke about it, they can be playful about it, but when they get to trying to make it work with one another, so many resentments build up. What are the type of problems that couples face? With me today, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Barry McCarthy. He's a professor of psychology at American University, and he's a certified marital and sex therapist. So if you've ever asked yourself, what does a sex therapist do? This is where we may get some answers. He has a private practice in Washington, D.C., and he's presented over 150 workshops. And with, very unusually, with his wife, Emily, has co-authored eight books on relationships and sexuality, including Rekindling Desire. Dr. Barry McCarthy, what a pleasure to have an opportunity to talk with you. I'm glad to be here. I see a range of couples, a couples that come in with a range of problems, and I'm wondering, you know, they talk about they have conflicts over finances or conflicts over the in-laws or with the kids or dividing up household chores, and those are legitimate conflicts, but sometimes I'm really blown away, actually, by the fact that when you get to the sexual issues, those are underlying all the others, that if their sex life went better, they could actually deal with the in-laws better, and it just, it, it why is sex so important? Well, I think that's absolutely true, that the role of healthy sex in marriages is to be an energizer, a resource to help you feel re-energized, bonded with each other, and so you can deal with things like finances, kids, and in-laws. But when you stop being a sexual couple, when sex is less than once a month or twice a month, it becomes very awkward, and it really is a major drain. You lose that sense of being special and being energized and being attractive to each other. So it's much more likely that you're going to be struggling with other heart issues. So it's much harder. If, if their sex life goes well, a particular couple will be able to weather the storms. And they feel more, as you use the word, bonded with each other. They feel more important to one another. And that's one of the great benefits of a great, healthy, romantic relationship and a great sex life, too. Uh, you, you mentioned a fact in your book, Rekindling Desire, which is that sex adds about 15 to 20 percent to marital satisfaction. Now, you know, if you're a teenager, you think of, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get married. Then we can jump in bed and, and be sexy all day long. But you're saying it only adds 15 to 20% of marital satisfaction, but that if it goes bad, it can, it can dynamite a relationship. Right. And, and that what you want in a good, healthy sexual relationship, and again, a good, healthy sexual relationship means more than just intercourse. It means touching inside and outside the bedroom. It means feeling a sense of desire and attraction for each other. And obviously intercourse is part of that, but it's, uh, unlike what teenagers think, it's not the major part. Um, and that what you want in a healthy sexual relationship is where you use sex as a shared pleasure, 
as a way of deepening and reinforcing intimacy and also as a tension reducer to deal with some of the stresses of life, a marriage, uh, two kids, two jobs, two dogs, those kinds of things. Okay, so that sex, sex is, serves multiple functions, having Absolutely. it go well in a relationship. Um, I want to turn to erotica right now, because when I listened to you speak, I went to one of your workshops. Mm-hmm. This is Dr. Barry McCarthy, for those who are listening, and he's written the book, Rekindling Desire. At one of your workshops, you mentioned that most men grow up, you know, looking at Playboy magazines, and they're very used to self-pleasuring, and they're used to erotic techniques, whereas women don't milk that as much as men do, and that, you know, you might think that once a couple is married, they can openly explore all sorts of sensual methods, you know, fantasies and erotic scenarios. But they don't. Why is it equally important for women, and what would you advise women? Well, I think that as people are married and as they age, that men and women become much more similar. And part of the challenge for women is to value erotic scenarios and techniques. And when the culture, not just women, but our culture thinks of eroticism, they think of people who are not married, who are under 20, they think, and they think of sex as something that is hot but gets you in trouble. Desperate Housewives are a perfect example. What I talk to uh, with my female clients is to uh, find your own sexual voice, and part of that sexual voice is valuing intimacy, part of it is valuing touch and pleasuring, but another part is what are the things that are your wants and desires that really allow you to feel aroused, orgasmic, and really valuing the couple sex. So there's some individual work to be done first. A woman needs to ask herself, what's erotic for me? What turns me on? Well, and and I know it's much he, easier right. to do that talking to your spouse outside the bedroom that rather than trying to do it while you're nude in bed, I think people feel too vulnerable. A good place to talk sex is over a glass of wine or a cup of tea in the living room or the dining room or on a walk. And to give each other information. What's a turn on? What's a turn off? Um, In your book, Rekindling Desire, you mention turnoffs, poisons for sexual desire. What are some of these that just totally demoralize a couple? Well, probably the major one is where you're feeling angry and alienated from the spouse, or you're feeling very anxious or inhibited, or there's something that has happened in your in your life, whether it was uh, premarital life or others, where you feel ashamed and guilty about it, and say, if, if my spouse knew that about me, they wouldn't love me, they wouldn't care about me. And again, I think one of the great advantages of an intimate relationship is feeling loved and accepted for all of who you are, your strengths and your vulnerabilities. Um, but And another thing about anger is that the old view was that you can't be sexual if you're angry. You have to uh, express the anger, get over the anger. And the new view is a both-and view that you need to talk about the, and, uh, the things that cause you to feel angry. And behind it is usually a feeling of being hurt outside the bedroom. But that part of the idea of continuing touching and sexuality 
is that it allows you to stay connected and give you the energy to deal with the hurt and anger outside the bedroom. So, you so want, it's a both-and approach. So you want to be able to identify what are these turn-offs or sexual poison, poisons for sexual desire right. and then to deal with them better. If someone wants to read your books, how can they get them? You've written, so, you've written eight of them with your wife, uh, Emily McCarthy. Well, in terms of the desire, probably the most important um, book is the Rekindling Desire book, and you can get it at the bookstore or through Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Um, the book that we're most excited about, actually, is a prevention book. It's called Getting It Right the First Time, uh, Creating a Healthy Marriage, and we talked about the first two years of marriage. and. Uh, there's two chapters. There's one chapter specifically about developing a sexual relationship so you don't get into these problems, that the best cure is good prevention. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Dr. Barry McCarthy, so, so glad you were able to join me today and look forward to talking with you again. Good. And you want to work on building your emotional intimacy and loving your relationship and making it grow. Rather than going the route that most people do, they let it fizzle. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. Be with you next week on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Your future hasn't been written yet. No one's has. Your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path of Romance by psychologist Drs. Kenner and Locke. The best proof of whether a person loves you is how that person acts toward you on a daily basis. Suppose your partner spends so much time at work, you virtually never see him or her. Then it would be appropriate to ask, Honey, if I'm so unimportant relative to work, why did you want to marry me? As to time spent on one's career, there are no rules about how many hours one should or shouldn't work. This can change from day to day, week to week, month to month, or job to job. Every couple has their own personal needs in unique contexts regarding the amount of time spent together. For example, if a partner has been called up for active duty in the military, then obviously the context is important and long periods of time without one another may be unavoidable. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.